Hello, I'm Louisa. I really enjoyed watching the fireworks on New Year's Eve. Welcome to the New Zealand All That Tesla podcast. Hello Martin, how are things going? Not too bad. Happy New Year to you, Alex. Yes, Happy New Year to you and also to our listeners. Although there is one one listener in particular I want our thoughts to be with at this time. Obviously not a particularly Happy New Year for Kay and Margie. Uh, they were involved in a shocking accident with their Tesla Model Y the very morning that they'd picked it up. So I imagine that they're still... Um, very much in the healing process, so I want our thoughts to be with them. Really? Uh, the, yeah. Did you see the details of that? Um, no, of that I moment? didn't. But you know, I can think of nothing worse than you know um, being involved in an accident um, in any at any time. But you know, real disaster. You know, it's yes. On the day of the pickup, that's not what you want. You're right, and it took place at a, a intersection between State Highway 1 and the road to Tauranga, which is a very busy intersection, poorly laid out, and it seems that somebody was on the wrong side of the road, um, and our uh, Model Y owners couldn't do anything really to avoid them, so it was yeah, just a, just a shocker, and so anyway, with, with that out of the way, and with our thoughts with them for a speedy recovery... Um, we can move on to talk about other things uh, happening in the world of Tesla. Okay, oh, that sounds pretty good. Hey, um, I see the deliveries were pretty high. Model Y sort of was topping the list up there. Um, I think we had the three afterwards and the BYD. Is that about the order of things at the moment? Absolutely right. So the Model Y, 868 deliveries in December and 413 Model 3s. So uh, Model Y way out in front there, and the BYD Atto 3 picking up third place, 318. And I was interested to see that used Nissan Leafs, which you normally think of as being the you know the top-selling EV in New Zealand, they're down there at 168, so place five behind the MG ZS. So we're really starting to see new EVs um, outstripping the used EVs being imported. Yeah, how often do Tesla get these deliveries? Because I know they, they they come in batches, but you know, are we getting deliveries out every month regularly now, or is it still sort of on the two or three monthly cycle? It always seemed that it was the end of the quarter because of the way production was arranged, but I think production is arranged differently now. It's more continuous with the Chinese factories, so it feels like there's a delivery every. Yeah, I, I think as you say, it's probably still every two to three months on average. So. Um, it's just slightly more frequently than once a quarter. Okay. No, because I uh, I did see one of those BYD um, Eto threes for the you know in in the flesh, and I was I was certainly very impressed with it. Mind you, I also saw a Model Y at the same event, and um, you know that was pretty amazing. It was it was in fact the uh, the long range Model Y that uh, we interviewed way back in June um, in ah, the yes. city. So they they came down from uh, their place. And um, and brought it to a charger opening in Timaru. So I did a uh, a recording um, with uh, their son while I was there, and that'll be coming out on the eighth of January. So uh, that's one to look out for as well. Oh, I see. Oh, that sounds that sounds interesting. And it'd be interesting to know what uh, EV City are doing with with other EV models arriving. Um, so yeah, I'll look forward to that. Yeah, good. So, um, we're busy time of the year. Um, I noticed on the groups recently we've got some 
issues in Queenstown with the uh, two main um, chargers faulting, not the Tesla ones, but you know the two other tritium ones that uh, ChargeNet look after, um, causing a few problems for people down there. Um, how are things going up your way? Oh, funny you should mention, because just the other day I was at Bayfair, which is the shopping centre in Mount Monganui, and there is a ChargeNet 50 kilowatt charger there. It's one of only two in the whole Tauranga area, and it had faulted, and I noticed the emergency stop button was pressed, so I reset that, which the Model 3 owners were not aware of. Um, and I, I suggested to them to allow it to count down five minutes on the display, after which try plugging in again. Unfortunately, I don't think that fixed it. I think from looking at the ChargeNet app, that particular charger is still faulty. So um, the message I really want to get across here is that there are lots of visitors to this area, and there are very few fast charging options. We've got the 170 kilowatt charger, which is on Hewlett's Road. It's a... Um, basically the Abbott dealership there. Uh, And then we've got a 50 kilowatt charge net charger at Cameron Road Pack and Save. And that's almost it. There's just two other 25 kilowatt chargers, one at New World in Mount Monganui and where's the other one? The other one is um, Tauranga Central. But the point I'm making is that there's so few fast charging options so many visitors here from from Auckland and and elsewhere because there's festivals going on, there's music, concerts and so on so forth. So the message is you really need to think about where you're going to be able to charge overnight. Uh, It would be best to even just charge off a three-pin plug wherever you're staying rather than rely on any fast charging. And if you do need fast charging, it's probably best to do it on the way here or on the way back. So, for example, the new expressway that bypasses Hamilton, pretty much. Um, that, if you obviously divert off that to the base in Hamilton, you can make use of the Tesla superchargers there on your way from Auckland to, to the Tauranga area. And, and that's what I'd recommend you do. Yes, and of course, um, still people losing their way at the uh, at those charges. The first time is always the hardest, isn't it? Trying to find which entry. Um, yes. And, and a recommendation, look, you know, on both PlugShare and on the navigation in the Tesla screen, it tells you the phone number to ring if you're going to be approaching outside of ours. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Martin. That, that information is available. Um, but yes, this has caught a lot of people out. And the even just the, the finer details of the location of the charges under the building uh, are quite difficult to find. But yeah, it's um, it's what you've got to do, really. I, I know there's a lot of new people out there, so it's always difficult the first time. But uh, I just want to make sure that people are considering other charging options rather than relying on the very few fast chargers we have in this area. Um, and I know this probably applies elsewhere as well. Um, how do you find trips in your part of the uh, of the of the Mortu down in the South Island? There, how, how does it work around sort of um, well Christchurch and things? Yes, look. Um Exactly where I am is pretty well serviced. South Canterbury was quite early on and had a very um, forward-thinking lines company in Alpine Energy. Um, right. So the immediate area is pretty good. But when you get to those um, holiday areas, Tesla's reasonably okay. They've got a good, super, reasonably good supercharging network down in the um, you know, Queenstown, Central Otago area. Um, right. I do feel a little bit for those who are not in Teslas because there are very few non-Tesla options around uh, Queenstown at the moment. Um, and I'm also very much aware of the the 
massive gap in the Lewis Pass, and it's uh, even even me in you know, hundred kilowatt hour battery um, struggling struggling to get from Nelson to uh, Christchurch is quite the challenge. Um, yes, I am very much aware that Eka are on to it, and uh, they're looking at getting a, a series of charges put into Springs Junction, which should fix that a little bit. And I think in the last yes. news episode, I, I think we might have spoken with um, uh, the Meridian Zero people who put four uh, slower charges, the AC 22 kilowatt charges in Hamner Springs. Um, right. Looking at those on the Zero app, I can see that they are regularly uh, full. So, you know, it's it's, mm. it's quite a tight area, um, you know, that Nelson to Christchurch um, space. So they, hopefully this year they should uh, maybe be getting that fixed up um, superchargers I think there's one scheduled to go in Blenheim which is uh, pretty good um, the locals would always say that Kaikoura was the better option of the two but um, Tessa and their wisdom have decided that Blenheim is the place to be maybe they got a space there did we see an option of voting for supercharger locations? I think I voted for Kaikoura. Um, oh, I'm glad you did. That. Yes, yes, there was that option. Uh, it's the second time that option's come up. And uh, yeah, for what it's worth, I don't know whether they take any notice of it. But for what it's worth, uh, I certainly voted for Kaikoura. Now, there's one more piece of information with regard to charging, and that's the somewhat unbelievably good news that BP are putting in lots of charge outlets. Did you see that release, Martin? Look, I have indeed. And what's more, when I drive past my local BP in Timaru, there's a sign there for EV charging, and there are two parks for EV chargers, and there is a cable coming out of the ground. Um, (laughs) So I'm very excited. I have heard news uh, from one of the Tesla drivers in uh, Nelson way similarly in uh, Nelson they are having a little bit of a backlog trying to get the charge units into New Zealand so while the infrastructure is yeah. there ready to go it's going to take a little bit of a while I think before um, they are out as as widely as they're hoping to be but hey look it's fantastic news fantastic news and the more charges we can get the better um, and wide variety of prices around the place um, did you notice that, uh, is it Gatsby, the old petrol, we cheapest petrol from, also has EV charging on it now? Yes, I was aware of that one. I think the, uh, yeah, finding all these charges, as you say, is going to become a, uh, a difficult task because you've got Zed as well. Uh, Zed in Bethlehem in Tauranga are hoping to open their charger soon. It will be a 170 kilowatt charger, but it's not op- open yet. And the... Like you say, Gatsby is a, is a good choice. I don't think price is really the defining factor. I, I think it's more availability, isn't it? It's uh, um, You would want to have a way to see whether chargers were in use. And so usually that means using the specific app, such as the ChargeNet app or the uh, perhaps the Z app. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure um, whether I'd use Gatsby. Well, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I've put it in just to see how accurate it was um, and to fill in some numbers that were missing. Um, so I've done that. I've got it in my collection of charging apps. I have nine of them. And um, <laughs> I, I must say, though, that, yes, I guess if I'm approaching a charger, I'll probably have the charging app open and see what the, the percentages of the people who are um, already there. 
uh, to decide whether I divert off the highway or whether I um, continue on to the next one. Um, that's a neat feature of the ChargeNet app at the moment. Um, quite wonderful to be able to see what the charge level is. Um, still think it's a place to go with uh, you know, literally the availability of charges because, of course, all of the charges feature on that and whether they're in use, certainly the ChargeNet ones indicate, um, they just don't have that functionality that tells you how far through the charging they are. Sorry, so uh, just to clarify, are you saying on PlugShare you can see whether a charger is in use? Uh, you can certainly see whether a ChargeNet charger is in use. I'm not sure about the um, the Others. other companies. Right. Okay, well that'll be an interesting point to watch going forward, won't it, when we decide which apps we're going to use, because we can't really use all the apps at once, although I appreciate the effort there to have nine apps installed is pretty pretty dedicated. Um, I think how it'll shake out in the end is that there'll, there'll be just a certain choice for a certain area, so I think in some parts of the country BP might have the upper hand. Their numbers are quite staggering. They claim that they will have 600 charge points installed at around 50 locations through the country so that would be an average of about 12 uh, charges per location and when I say an average I mean you know there may be one that's got 20 and there might be another that's got five you know and so if they do get anywhere close to that number of 600 charges that will put them way out in front in terms of numbers Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think at that point we'll all be installing the BP app (laughs) but uh, as you said They've got to actually get the charges here first and they've got to get them in the ground. So uh, it could take some time. We'll see. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's wonderful to see lots and lots of options coming along. Exactly. It can only get better. And that's the great thing about driving an electric vehicle. You know that although things may not be perfect to start with, you know that they can certainly improve. So that's the thing. Absolutely. All right. What's the latest on the Tesla Semi? Yes, the semi, as they call it. Um, That has been years in the waiting. I mean, we've been waiting really since about 2017 to, you know, get final details on how that works. Now, finally, on December the 1st, it was launched in the sense it was delivered to its launch customer, which is PepsiCo. And they're using it for two purposes, obviously hauling sodas, as they call them, so fizzy drinks, um, but also Frito-Lay, which is a potato chip company. So it's probably the equivalent of our Goodman Fielder. You know, they're hauling around packets of chips now. They don't weigh very much. And so this has led to some confusing comments. I believe that the the company, PepsiCo, is under a non-disclosure agreement. And so they can't really sort of go into a lot of detail about how they use the Tesla Semi yet. They've got about 30 of these trucks, I think. I think it was 36 out of the order of 100. And so the CEO made some fairly cryptic comments about distances. The fact that sodas will be hauled for about 100 miles. And Tesla claimed that the Semi has a range of 500 miles, fully loaded. And obviously when it's loaded with potato chips, well, they they go for further with those. And so it's just difficult to interpret these comments correctly. We don't know at this point whether the different distances for different weights are because of operational um, practice, um, such as sodas just don't have to be taken as far, or whether they're due to limitations with the Tesla Semi. We don't know this for certain. So we've certainly seen conjecture everywhere, but the reality is that uh, PepsiCo are using them for both purposes, 
heavy loads and light loads and differing distances. And so at the end of the day, they've got the trucks and they're on the road at last. Gee, I tell you what, it'd be fun. Uh, I can know of a couple of owners who would be uh, right over there in the US driving those trucks now if there were job yeah. openings. Yes, Adam Metal Bob springs to mind. He already Absolutely. drives an electric truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it's exciting because the semi, as I say, years in the making, they are made at the Nevada Gigafactory, which previously produced, I believe, solar solar equipment. Uh, or no, was it? Was it batteries? And the solar comes from somewhere over near New York. So, yeah, so there's several different gigafactories for different purposes, basically. So the semi is not made in the same place as the cars are made in. It's got its own production facility. It's amazing how they can, you know, chop and change those factories, isn't it, for their different uses? Well, I suppose that's what I'm trying to say, is that actually that's not what's happening. They're, they're not changing the production of each factory. So when they've introduced the semi, they're not making it in the same place that they previously made the Model S, for example. It's a totally different facility and a different supply of batteries. And so the yeah, so, so in that way, the production is, is not limited for existing models while these new versions of, uh, of vehicles are introduced. Oh, okay. I thought that was the whole one of the whole reasons why we had to wait so much for the uh, new design model S and X was that they were recalibrating or we refitting the factories to build um, to build different uh, versions of the models. Well, my understanding is that the Model S and X will only be produced at the Fremont factory. So yes, indeed, they'll be changing the lines at Fremont to go from producing the old Model S and X to the new Model S and X. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that any of the new gigafactories around the world, Berlin, China, and so on, those are all set in their in their models that they produce. So they won't be um, producing any you know any any different versions. And so I think it's interesting, therefore, that there is a new gigafactory on the horizon. Have you heard about this? I have heard rumours of some new gigafactory somewhere, uh, somewhere in Mexico or something, is that right? Yes. Now, it makes a degree of sense, this, because Monterey in Mexico is quite near the border with Texas, which means it's relatively close to the um, you know, gigafactory Texas, where they're currently producing the, the Model Y. And... Gigafactory Texas is also expected to produce the Cybertruck, of course. And so what this means, related to what I was saying before, the thinking is that this new Gigafactory will produce a totally different model, perhaps the new smaller um, Tesla or even the RoboTaxi that's been referred to a few times. I think those two might be one and the same. I think the uh, the smaller Tesla, which people call the Model 2. I don't call it the Model 2 myself, obviously. I've, I think I've ranted about that before. Um, the So the new smaller model, anyway, will probably be produced at this new Gigafactory, the one that is coming next. Now, Elon has been scouting locations in Mexico, and so the news has got out via the, the Mexican news media that uh, Tesla will invest somewhere between 800 million and a billion US dollars to create this factory. And at first it will provide components to other gigafactories, but then it will go on to produce its own model. And so I think this all makes sense. I think this is a, a very good strategic move. And we were expecting this to be formally announced uh, at the end of the year, but that was the end of what is now last year. So we would expect a formal announcement quite soon. We'll see. Always that two weeks, isn't it? 
<laughs> yes, exactly. It's, again, two weeks. <laughs> now, look, you might be able to help me here. The mythical Cybertruck is yes. actually seriously being created and going to seriously come out. They say 2023 is the year of the Cybertruck. Is this just urban myth or is it really going to be? Well, I've seen a photo of the large single-piece castings which make up the frame of the Cybertruck. So whether the original hype, if you like, was correct. So the original theory was that the Cybertruck would have an exoskeleton. I think everyone's heard that term. And the idea was that folded, cold-rolled stainless steel would form this exoskeleton and make it incredibly tough. Well, all that's still sort of the case. But what we now know is that there's a hefty aluminium casting underneath it. So the stainless steel is just a skin on the outside. Now, why I'm telling you this to answer your question is that we've seen photos of these castings. So we know that the production of the Cybertruck depends on very large casting equipment. Now, we also know that some of that very large casting equipment has been delivered to Texas in the last few months and is being set up. And so we can join the dots, therefore, and say that, yes, it looks as though Texas will be in a position to produce the Cybertruck this year. And so there are still lots of unknowns with regard to the pricing. Elon has hinted a couple of times that the originally announced price, which I believe was 40000 US dollars, is very unlikely. Well, it's not going to happen anymore because of the increasing costs of everything, but also because of the, the fact that even a Model Y costs more than 50000 US dollars. So I think the personally, my thinking is that we'll see first a quad motor um, Cybertruck or, or some very complex version, which will be very expensive and it will compete with you know, the likes of the Hummer EV and the Silverado EV and other large EVs that are already on the market. So I think it would make sense for Tesla to compete with those first. And that means, unfortunately, a lot of people would probably be disappointed because they were hoping for that sort of base model, more affordable Cybertruck. But um, what do you think, Martin? Do you think that will be the case? Look, I mean, that's what Tesla's done with just about everything in the past, isn't it? I don't think they've ever released the cheapest model first. Correct. And I think the only exception would be possibly this new smaller model, which uh, said to be working on. And for me, that's going to be the most exciting thing. Uh, if they announce details of that this year, I shall be I shall be very excited because a smaller Tesla is always going to be relevant to Europe and, of course, us in New Zealand as well. Um, I, the Model 3 is perfect for a lot of people, but not everybody. And a Cybertruck certainly isn't perfect for many people. I mean, it's just much too big. So... Uh, yes, I do expect that they will produce those, but I don't think it will be the huge volume seller that, that perhaps some people think it would be. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, uh, I wonder whether Ford's got the um, the advantage here, the early advantage. Yeah, and Rivian, of course. I think the Ford uh, 150 Lightning and the Rivian, I think they compete quite closely. I said the Rivian because I can't remember if it's called the R1S or something because they now have an R2, uh, which is an SUV, a sort of mini SUV type of vehicle. So I think Rivian have really, um, yeah, got there before Tesla in the in the sort of in this mid-range pickup market i think tesla have sort of ended up in the in the high end of the of the market so um, i would imagine their price will be fairly high when the cybertruck is announced uh, or launched i should say and that i believe will be 
later this year. I, I think there's a, a very good chance that Tesla will have them made. There's already been several prototypes spotted uh, during testing, and we've seen some of them up close in videos. We've also seen, you know, obviously people have been to the Gigafactory and seen them there. So, and one of the comments made was to do with panel fit and things like that. Because of the totally different construction, that means there are totally different problems to solve. So I think that, uh, yeah, this is why Cybertruck has taken a while, I believe. And I would say that it's on track still. Um, I think that it, it's um, you know still likely to be made this year. Okay, that's marvellous. Um just a bit of put the word out there, I'm heading up to Wellington at the end of the month. I think I head up there on the 16th of January, so if there's any listeners who uh, have not yet been interviewed for the podcast, it would be a real opportunity to come along and have a chat with me. Um, I'll be based in Newtown, but I'll be anywhere on public transport. I've already got my snapper card emailed out, or at least uh, posted out to me, so um Look, feel free, contact Martin at all, that's tesla.nz if you're going to be round, and I'd love to have a chat. I've got nothing to do because my daughter is um, going to the uh, New Zealand dance school and she's going to be there for two weeks and I'm sitting you know, nearby, sort of twiddling my thumbs, wondering what to do. Wow, a two-week break in Wellington, that's quite a major, and uh, I hope that it's a fun one for you. I'm sure that you'll find some things to do, but I also hope that some of our listeners in that area get in touch. I'd also like to hear from people, of course. I operate in the Tauranga and Hamilton areas, mostly Tauranga, and I would like to have a chat about any topics that you feel strongly about. So if you'd like to reach our listeners who obviously mostly drive Teslas, but we're interested in any topics related to electric vehicles, charging, solar power, and so forth. So look forward to hearing from any of you. And you can reach me at alex at allthatstesla.nz. Lovely. Alex, it's been great to catch up. We will have to catch up a wee bit more frequently uh, as uh, we limit the interviews and uh, going on and there's a wee bit more about that coming up in the next episode on the uh, I think it's the 8th of January a bit more detail there. right excellent yes well I'm certainly hoping for some good news to come through this year and I think it's going to be a busy news for uh, sorry a busy year for Tesla news and electric vehicle charging news and deliveries and all that sort of thing so it'll be lovely to catch up again soon thank you very much for your time today Martin and thanks to all our listeners wonderful and happy new year again everyone Happy New Year.